As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. You're listening to The Leaf Report. Follow the guys on Twitter at Jonas Siegel and at Myrtle. Okay, James. Green Bab Socks today. I didn't even get to the intro. And I posted on Twitter and I said, we're doing a podcast. What do people want to know? And someone said, what color Bab Socks are you wearing? <laughs> that's, that was the number one request from one person. So they are, they are green. These are the St. Patrick's Day ones. But uh, with November coming, they're doing a big promotion for November. Uh, Bab Socks was at the practice rink a few days ago. They recorded a commercial or like a promo spot with Mike Babcock, and I saw it, and it was really, really good. So, and it's for a good cause. It's for Movember, and it's for uh, mental health initiatives. I think mm-hmm. the Movember Bab socks are black, and they've got uh, Babcock's face on them, and he's got a big duster, a big mustache. So they're amazing. Do you think he's got like a a good sense of humor at all? Yeah. But, yeah. Well, I don't know what do you mean. Like, what do you mean by good? Like, I don't know. It's probably different than what your and my so sense of humor so he's is. A funny guy or no? I don't know. I don't know. Like, do you think he, like, cracks funny? I don't know. I don't know. He's a different generation than us, right? So. Yeah. All right. Well, welcome to the Leaf Report, (laughs) brought to you by Babsox. Welcome to the Random Tangent Report. Yeah. You can go to babsox.ca to buy your Babsox. Um, We have a few things to discuss. Uh, So we're, like, a week into the season. Is it a week? Yeah. Basically a week into the season. We're recording this on a Thursday afternoon. Um, before the Leafs will play Montreal. Feels like longer than a week. Four games well, already. Well, when you have, what is it, eight preseason games? Right. It's a lot of crap. Right. Pre-season, like, training camp was just so anticlimactic and pretty dull. Right. Maybe because the roster was basically... Well, I think when decided. I think when you have a good team... Yeah, that's what happened. Training camp is not... It's, the Leafs have been bad for so long, and it's always been about, like... Who starts? Bernier or Reimer? And there were no hidden gems. Like, I look around the league, and I look at Yamamoto and all, uh, with the Oilers, who, like, made the team at 19. That we, we had, jersey? Right. Yeah. We have a, there's a good story in Yamamoto, uh, kind of, like, where he came from and, and how smaller players are doing well. Uh, He's on, really On small. the athletic, yeah. Like, 170 pounds, 5'10". But apparently he was always tiny. Like There's he, no way that guy is that big, even. He was drafted really late. You know what's interesting? I did that story about the heights and weights of the players, and uh, they told me that this is the Leafs anyway, and not every team would be the same, but the Leafs said that the number that was on the scale when they did their physical is what's on the website. Because I asked them about the number, and they were like, yeah, that's exactly what it said like in the physical. JVR was like, yeah, it said like 217.5. So then where do the heights come from? Are those made up? They're uh, like, there's no, they, they just never align. Like Jason Blake was listed as six feet. Jason Blake ain't six feet. But, uh, so what happened? I guess all I'm saying is that this year, I think they, they like some guys got shorter and stuff this year. So I liked it, it Curtis McElhinney. Like, he lost a, an inch. Right. And so did Connor Carrick. Connor Carrick was like, yeah, I, I worked on 
I worked on that <laughs> on getting shorter. But he Connor Carrick was was kind of mad because but but Carrick said I'm actually 5'10 and it's always he's always been listed at 5'11 in the NHL. This year's and he first. ain't 5'11. No, he said he's 5'10. Like he yeah. like he says that's what So he, what happens? Does like does the general manager go to them and be like, "Hey, add a add an inch to these guys?" I don't know. Like, I don't understand how that happens. It's so bizarre. I don't know. He said that when the the Capitals drafted him and the Capitals called him before the draft and said, "How tall are you really?" and he told them 5'10. And then in, he's in the NHL and it says 5'11 the whole time. Well, like if you're for strategic purposes, if you have a player who's 5'11, do you think you're just going to be like, you know what, you're six feet. Like, it sounds better if we ever want to trade you, he's six feet. I don't know. Like, do you think there's anything to that? Like, some GMs like that stuff. It's definitely changing, though, right? Yeah. How tall are you? I don't know. I think, like, between 5'8 and 5'9. Okay. Probably. So you probably notice how NHL players are getting to be more your size than ever yes. before. Oh, yeah. The league is shrinking. It's Mitch Marner is barely bigger than I'm me. I'm 6'5 and a half, so I have a hard time gauging how tall guys are, but I feel like I'm way taller than a lot of the NHL players now. Like there's well, who's taller? the only one in the with the Leafs organization. Well, and who's in like your ballpark? Van Riemsdyk's in your ballpark. 6'3", yeah. McElhaney's in your ballpark. Anderson. Other than that, they're all Last night I was small. talking to Kadri, and I had to look like way down to talk. Like, I bet you Kadri's only 5'11", right? Yes, and what I think he's definitely been listed at 6 feet. Right. So. Not that and Bozak, I think, is probably not six one. And there's a lot of guys that are. Well, Andreas Borgman is not two thirty, like Babcock <laughs> says, but he's pretty big. We're on a tangent again. All right, let's get into what we actually <laughs> plan to discuss. Let's see here. I don't even know what we're discussing. Uh, where do you want to start? So we're going to talk about some of the competitions for spots. There's not that many, as we just mentioned. We want to talk about Austin Matthews and the game he had against Chicago. We want to talk about the Van Riemsdyk line. Um, and what they could do there. Mitch Marner we want to discuss. What, why don't we start with, okay, so we've seen four games. They're three and one. What are, like, your general impressions of what the Leafs are? Is there, a, like, have they surprised you? Is this what you thought they would be? To me, like, we knew they were going to be a good offensive team. They really kind of look like they're going to be the best offensive team in the NHL. Yeah, that was, like, I was, like, kicking myself after the Winnipeg game because that was my the idea I came up with. And I'm like, why the hell didn't I write this in training camp? Like, this is obvious. Why wouldn't they lead the league in goals? They're so deep. They have two basically number one power play units. Like most teams, I was thinking about this, most teams just stack up on one. Like Pittsburgh last year, they put all their best guys on their top power play unit. And then the second one is usually like, crap like it has like be an interesting story comparatively to, crap be an interesting story to go through and yeah you, you know what you, i mean like when it, you look at power play ice time most teams have you know f- and the other thing too is there's way more power plays this year so like you need two units too like if it if it stays like this when them calling all the penalties it's gonna work in the least favor i think yeah if their penalty killing it gets can't better. continue like this no but the point is like they basically have two legitimate number one units like these would be number one units on any team so that alone gives you like this massive advantage offensively and then like i was just thinking about like how it works for matchups um like van reemsdyke he's always gonna get like second and third pairs instead of like when he played with kessel and they had one good line he was always getting top pairs and top d you know that was happening last year though too right and he had 29 but but they just added marlo to that so they added marlo like who are they replacing they're basically replacing marlo to some degree with brown and brown is essentially replacing like soshnikov or whatever that's a big upgrade like, right. in skill. So that like that Marlo fourth could... line has looked a lot better than last. Like last year, it really couldn't accomplish anything because Ben Smith was on there for so long. You had two thirds who could not score. And Martin, like yeah, like Dominic Moore has two goals in two games. Connor Brown can score. Matt Martin still can't score, but like he, I thought it was funny on that play that Brown used the defenseman. To, that uh, I am not explaining it right. The the, the goal that that Zaitsev yeah, scored up. that Brown said it was fantastic against Chicago, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Brown is, can see the ice better than anyone we've seen on the Leafs' fourth line, maybe ever. Yeah, and that's not going to last long. He, he's they're just they're going to have to flip him onto that line with Komarov. I saw after two down. periods last night, he led the forwards in ice time. So I mean, because he's killing so many penalties and whatever. But well, he's just such a useful guy because he can basically play anywhere. Right. He's smart. He's really, really he's smart, smart player. player. Um, the counterpoint to that, if you put Komarov on that fourth line, all of a sudden your fourth line is not that effective anymore. So maybe it's true. Maybe it's useful having him. If there's going to be this much special teams and you're using Brown in front of the net on the power play well, and you're using him on the top penalty kill unit, yeah, maybe it makes more maybe sense. Maybe you keep him on the fourth line because like, he's going to be getting tons of minutes anyway. 
Yeah. Well, what did you say? Like he was like fourth or fifth among forwards in minutes after he was four fifth games, three after games? the three games I looked at. I think he was fifth. Yeah. I mean, you could, he's probably even higher because that game against Jersey, um, only thirty-eight minutes of it was at even strength. The Leafs were on the power. That was a horrible game. The Leafs were on the power play. He's sixth right now. Apparently, on the broadcast, they were saying it was an exciting game. Really? Uh, that's what someone told. We weren't watching the broadcast because they we must were, have been trying to sell the game. I. It was. It's, it's bizarre. Just, it's, I mean, yeah. Jersey was exciting because they were really, they were really aggressive. Mm-hmm. They're really fast. Everyone says that Hines is a really smart coach. He could be like a new. I don't. I can't remember how old he is. I guess he's Not like mid forties. But I think he was coaching Pittsburgh's AHL team before he got this job. Right. It's interesting sometimes these guys that you don't really know a whole lot about and then all of a sudden they're head coaches in the NHL and some of them do well and some of them don't. Yeah. Okay, but like you asked some other things that stuck out. It looks like they're, I don't know, we knew this was going to happen, but like it looks like there definitely is like another level for Matthews. Yeah. Um, looks faster. They're going to use the crap out of Ron Hainsey and Nikita Zaitsev on the penalty kill. Yeah. I think their third pair is like completely still unknown. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen him shelter a third pair that much. Like last year, he was using Hunwick and Polak there a lot of the season, and he didn't really shelter them because he would use them kind of in defensive situations. This is more typical of what you see around the league where the third pair gets all offensive zone starts and gets really easy sheltered minutes. And mm-hmm. So I don't know. I mean, are those two guys an upgrade over Hunwick and Polak? At this point, it's hard to say. Like, Rosen really doesn't look like an NHL player right now. Not yet. Borgman looks like he could be. But Rosen's like 24 years old. I mean... So maybe he's not. Like, sometimes yeah, they I don't know. work. Like, sometimes you bring... Like, I remember a couple years ago, uh, remember Petri Contiola? Is that his right? name? Yeah, he And, like, all the, the talk team. was, like, this yeah. guy's going to be... An, like, he's going to be as good as Yuri Laterra. And he couldn't skate. Like, he was just too slow. slow. And I yeah. think he was hurt at the time, but, like... I don't know. Sometimes those guys don't work. Right. But if one of them works, like, it's... I think Borgman's an NHL player. Yeah. I think so. I like the... He's strong. I like the way... Yeah. But, like, one of the disadvantages to not having Polak and Hunwick is they have no uh, penalty kill. Right. They're going to need... Riley's the number three penalty killer, and we're not really sure who the number four is. Borgman, I guess. Gets a little bit of penalty kill time. They're going to have to get Borgman up to speed there or trust Gardner there or do something different on the penalty. Like, I wonder I wonder if this is the opening for Polak. Rosen looks like crap. They need help on the penalty kill. Well, they're just like basically using three guys. Like They're just using Riley, Zaitsev, and Which is hard, hard to do when you're killing. Well, it's also hard to do when it's a 36-year-old who you're giving half the, the game right. to shorthanded. You look at their top four on D overall minutes, they're all really close, which is weird. They're all getting 20, 21 minutes, last I looked. Hmm. So, I mean, I mean, I guess the thing is that they're using Riley and Gardner a lot on the power play, so then to also give them penalty kill. I don't know. Anyway, it's... I haven't done a deep dive because it's too early, I feel like, to look at like the shot rates and all that stuff for penalty kill and power play, but that's something that we're going to do here real soon, and see what it looks like compared to last year and stuff like that. Okay. Um, let's talk about that Matthews game against Chicago. Um, it was good. Yeah. Um, it was good. But that was like, to me, that was like next level of maybe what he can become. Like, you can't do that every night. Because he didn't look the, like that against Jersey. He didn't look like it against Jersey. He didn't look like that in the first two games. No. And one of the things he said after the game was, that he just had more energy. Like the first two games, he just didn't have it. And like you can, I can understand that. You can understand that. Some days you get to work, or I don't know, you go for a run, and your legs are just like feeling like crap, right. and you just have to. Well, do it's it. like I play beer league, and some days you just like barely grind through it, and then some, right. and some days, days like, your body flying, feels amazing, and, and I'm sure I his body felt I'm, amazing. Yeah, they probably have like a way better sense of that than guys like you and I. Like I never can tell why that is, or but you feel it, like right. you know, right. So I'm sure that there was something to that, but like the synchronicity with him and Neilander is just it's crazy. Like they just seem to look for each other, find each other. They have so much skill. They both can shoot, they both can pass. Reminds me of I think we've talked about this before, like kind of like Sundin McGilney when they those two had like that chemistry. They, they was that for like a season and a half or something like that and they yeah. were just really fun to watch play because they could McGilney was super skilled and obviously Sundin was two very different players and 
you can see it setting up where Matthews and Neilander maybe play together for a long, long time and are really successful. But the counterpoint to that is, like, I would think that at some point, maybe even next year, Neilander's a center. But if they're so good, then, like, do you really want to break away from... I don't know. You were, you were showing me, like, some projection of what the team could look like a couple of years from now. And if you move Neilander to center, maybe you just play Marner with Matthews right. down the line. Right. And there's no reason to think that wouldn't work. You know what's either. interesting? It's really early, but because of the way they've been calling the face-offs, they've been throwing lots of guys out. Marner's been taking a lot of face-offs, and he's done pretty well there. Like, I wonder if Marner can be a center in the NHL down the road. Well, when they drafted both guys, that was the plan, that both guys were going to be centers. But, like, of the two, if I was going to pick which guy, ah, I guess why not? Neilander, when the games he's played at center, has not looked very good. But it was, like, a handful yeah. of games in his first year. And it was year. early last year. But even, like, I watched him in the AHL play center, and I, I don't know. If One of them should be a center. It just... Well, they're going to have to... Yeah. Yeah. Because then you slot in, like, you have Matthews, Kadri, and one of them. Right. That's pretty good. I don't anyway. know where else they're going to get a top three center, because everything you hear is that Bozak's not coming back. Well, because why, why would they sign him back? Yeah. But so I, I just think, like, maybe... I don't know what this tells us about, like, the potential he potential season he could have um does it does what you've seen so far change any impression you had of what he it kind of reinforces that i mean he can easily be top five in goals and points in the nhl this year Hmm? i um wouldn't surprise me if he's real close to 40 goals uh and uh, i can see him putting up more assists this year especially if hyman continues to look hyman's looked a lot more dangerous this year Mm -hmm. um I could see him, you know, 40 goals, 38 goals, 85 points. Probably about that range. I mean, where, where, was, where would 85 points have put him last year? It would be definitely yeah. top 10 in points. I think it would be like second or third. Right. Because McDavid had 100. I think someone had 87 and like 85-ish. Right. So I, I see Matthews right in that 80 to 85 point mark. Which is like a heart trophy contender. Yeah, it is. It is now, yeah. With all these power plays and scoring might be up this year, maybe... That's a little bit low, even. And but you know, he wasn't. He didn't really light up power plays like crazy last year. So because he gets half the time, right? That's that's one disadvantage having two really good units. His ice time seems too low to me. I mean, I wrote that story after the Rangers game that like like the the Bozak. I know we're talking about them, but the but the Bozak line was playing too much, and they got lit up for three goals in that game, and then Matthews only got 16 minutes or whatever. It just That doesn't make any sense at all to me. It's funny you mention that. I was walking up to the press box, or maybe back from the press box, with uh, Chris, Chris Johnson, our buddy, and I said that. like I looked at his ice, and I'm like, maybe he should be playing more. And he's like, well, you know, it is like a long season. Like Maybe you just want to space it out. And maybe that's that's what they're doing. Like Maybe you don't want to overload him now. In the Especially playoff, if you're trying to win a cup. Like, in the playoffs last year, I don't think they gave him huge minutes either. I just think that like you want to get him... At some point, he's got to be like a 19-minute guy. I think he's good enough to be there now. And I think Hyman's can do it, and I think Nylander can do it. And Okay, well, let's see. So he's playing just under 13 minutes at even strength, uh, which is a bit less than last year. So they're pretty even uh, in terms of like even strength ice time. Like the Bozak line is getting about eleven minutes. Fourth line is getting like between eight and ten. So I don't know. Maybe you take a little bit. So overall, from, he's getting seventeen a game. Yeah, because of the power play, four minutes a game on the power play, right? Which is a lot. That's Six seconds a game up. on the penalty kill. So basically, like, I just don't know. So maybe you take some minutes. I just want to see him at, like, 18 and a half or something. Maybe like, you take a little bit from the Bozak line. You watch teams like Pittsburgh or Chicago, and those guys are playing way more minutes. Kane's playing over 20 a game. Crosby Malkin can play way more than that. Like, they just, they lean on their horses. and Yeah, but, like, you criticize Randy Carlisle for, like, over-leaning on Randy. Yeah, uh, but. Getzlaff and Perry for all those years. And with the, I thought you were going to say with the Leafs, but. Well, Carlisle went crazy, though. Like, Bozak was playing 22 minutes a game. Like, he was the top minute forward in the league at one point. He I think was it was like 20. Penalty kill, and I think there were some years where he was over 20. Well, there's only one guy on the team, I think, who plays on all special teams, and that's Brown. Riley. But forward, sorry. Right. And Marlowe. I guess Marlowe. Right. It's interesting that they're using Marlowe in the penalty kill. Yeah, I kind of think the penalty kill is going to be a problem. I haven't seen anything I really liked about it. Yeah. Well... It's not you- super aggressive... 
I know last year their shot rate was bad. Yeah, the goaltending was really good, which probably won't continue. We're like, this is like just we don't talk about what topic we're supposed to talk about at all. But What's like, next we were supposed to talk about this? Matthews. Matthews, I think, last year um, I got radioed on TSN this week where I said that, oh. I said that he was a top six. He was probably I said Matthews, oh, I saw that Matthews headline. is probably a top six or seven center in the NHL. So the headline was Matthews is the sixth best center in the NHL. Is that something. a controversial statement? No, I don't think so. But people on Twitter were debating, oh, so who's ahead of him and who isn't? And these are the guys I came up with ahead of Matthews um, after last season. Uh, Crosby, Tavares, Bergeron. Um, oh, boy, I can't even remember. Crosby, Malkin? Malkin was one of them, yeah. Backstrom? Backstrom's right there. I think Backstrom's real close to Matthews. I think you can debate whether he's... Taves? Yeah, I think he's ahead of Taves. I mean, it just McDavid, in terms of obviously. oh yeah, McDavid. That's the other one. So that's those were the five that were ahead of him. Yeah, and I think Backstrom's right there with him. Guys like Jeff Carter are pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, Barkov in Florida's outstanding. I think yeah. Barkov's a pretty good comparable to Matthews just because the size factor and their age and everything. You'd probably still take Matthews for the well. So match. like, I don't think it's out of the question that Matthews comes right up behind Crosby, McDavid, and into that third spot. Well, this was this came up at the athletic event uh, a couple weeks ago, where I said that I didn't think the gap between McDavid and Matthews was as awning as everybody thinks it is, and Tyler Dello just thought I was crazy. We'll see. I still don't. I I don't know. Like McDavid's like a video game, but like in, but like as far all as like around, all around effect right. on the game, like I don't I don't think it's crazy at all. I, I, no, neither do I. I'm sorry. It'd be good for the hockey if it's not just McDavid, McDavid, McDavid. Like if there's actually a debate at the end of the year over who, not I. Like we can't say Matthews is a heart candidate yet because it's too early. But I. But there's a very good chance he will be. Right. They're a good team, and he's going right. to be their best player. If the Leafs are a hundred point team, this is not this is not typical Toronto where you're blowing up <laughs> players who aren't that. Well, because you and I don't do that. No, it's a, but it's, like it's, that's what people like nationwide seem to think. This is not that. They're yeah. just good. Like that. You know what it is, is that people in other cities just don't like the Leafs. It doesn't yeah. really have anything to do with the coverage being... I don't think the coverage is over the top. I haven't seen anything with the Leafs that's been completely ridiculous. I don't think if you go to the Athletic and read what we're doing that there's anything there that's... No. I mean, they, Matthews is one of the best players in the world, and the Leafs have him, and we have to write how good he is because that's what we do. Yeah. Well, what was really impressive about that game the other night is like it wasn't like he was going against like some random pair. Like it was against Keith and Seabrook and the Kane line. And granted, uh, Anisimov was filling in for Schmaltz, but like it's still top competition and they destroyed yeah, them. Shot attempts at even strength were 29 to 3. Like that's. I've never seen that before. That was probably one of the most dominant games by a center in the NHL in terms of even strength shot attempts. That what did you think of? Did you hear Mike Babcock's? Yeah, you were there. What did you think of his comments about possession? I don't know. So he was just taking the piss out of the idea. He wasn't really serious. I don't think it's bullshit. He, I can tell he looks at that stuff. I can tell. He also he, still values plus minus for some reason. Yeah. I. I don't know. It's interesting, you know, Lamorello and Babcock. Both say they value analytics, but then they also like kind of like want to knock it down a peg. And I think that there's like some tension in the, in that front office with like they've got that analytics department under Kyle Dubas. There's a whole bunch of guys there now. I, th- I think they hired another one. Like it's a it's a big staff. And then you've got the like the two most powerful people in the organization, other than Brendan Shanahan, are probably Lamorello and Babcock. And then for them to say these things against analytics and what against. Did Lou say? Just like when you when you ever you interview him and, oh, you, yeah. and you talk to him about it, it's kind of it's like, really not that hard a concept, and I well, think part of it is just like it's confusion. Like it's I think what happens is like people think it's more complicated than it is, right. and so they're like, "Well, I don't understand this stuff, and it doesn't seem to make any sense to me." So I don't think it means as much as these people say it does. The question was: Sean McKenzie from Sportsnet asked Babcock about Matthews having eighty five percent possession or whatever the hell. And, and Babcock, well, what does that mean? And he, Babcock knows full well what it means. And Babcock knows what Corsi is. And I'm sure that he's had lots of debates about Corsi with Kyle Dubas and the analytics team over the years. Um, but he decided to push back against acknowledging that he agreed with that uh, that idea of what that's. Well, I'm just saying these people have a job in hockey and we don't know what it 
means. That's stupid. Like, don't. You know, yeah, it's like that. insulting to like this big department that works on staff with you. That try doing it without the numbers. Go like see how that works for you. Just ask like the previous regime how that worked out. <laughs> like it doesn't work. Like it. What? It's just helpful. Not like, only that, but they were like openly antagonistic to the yeah. numbers, and it did not work. Anyway, let's move on. Um, you, uh, I think it was the the New York game uh, with the Van Riemsdyk Bozak Marner line. They were terrible. They were not good. Marner hasn't been good the all same, year. But we're going to get to that. The same defensive issues kind of plagued this line. You were we were discussing it during the game. The problem is I see it is I don't know what you do because I don't know where else you can play Van Riemsdyk besides with Bozak. I just don't know. What else? The fits. fourth line to me looks better, so I wonder if you give them a little bit tougher minutes, and you just really just make it life easy, really easy for Bozak and JVR. Like just and all off. It doesn't zone. feel like JVR and Bozak are going to get better defensively. Like no, they they're, just are. They're, they're twenty nine. No, Bozak's twenty one. JVR's twenty eight. Right. So this is who they are. Right. And so I think that's change? why Bozak's not going to come back because I think. Mike Babcock full well knows his limitations. I mean, well, we saw as in the soon playoffs. as yeah, and as soon as Babcock, well, yeah, that line that line really hurt them against Washington because I don't know if Tyler Dello had a tweet. I think it was yesterday about um, contributions from different lines on different teams and like where the goal differential by line on each team and Washington where they had the really high positive goal differential was their third and fourth line were the basically the best third and fourth line in the NHL. They had a lot of depth. In, on their third and fourth line, they had good players playing there, and the Leafs couldn't handle that. They like the, that's the Bozak line finally ran up against a team that had a line that could push back against them, and mm-hmm. they it was a real area of weakness in that series. So it's an area that the Leafs are going to have to be concerned about if they go into a playoff series against a team that has three good lines. Is that that they're vulnerable there? I just don't know what you do. So what like if you, you just give them offensive zone starts? You just play them against third and fourth lines. I don't know that that gets hard. Yeah, like th- then it's one of the problems with having Matt line. Martin on that fourth line because if you had a better player there, then all of a sudden you could play that line ten minutes a game instead of eight, and then you could play Bozak's line eleven minutes instead of thirteen or or whatever. And it's more like it. So, so Matt Martin's playing seven even strength minutes a game. Eric Fair under seven. But even if they put Eric Fair on that line instead of Matt Martin, it would be a better line. Anybody. It's just, it's a really, it does not make much sense at all. Especially when they have, like, Josh Levo sitting on the bench. And I just love how, like, um, Babcock, Lamorello are basically like, yeah, there's a numbers thing at wing, we just don't have any spots. And it's like, they have this one blinking spot where they have a better player sitting. We were talking about the game last night, like, even if they just sat Martin for, like, 20, 25 games this season, it'll, you know... Just see maybe, what you maybe have. When, and maybe Josh when you're Levo. playing against really good teams or something, you mix that in. It's stupid, and I don't know that it's going to change. Like I just, I don't know. It well, you keep matter. saying that Matt Martin's not going to be there beyond this season. I do. Yeah, I, I think I was showing you the cap projection for two years from I, now, and maybe I'm going to be wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. I just, I just can't see how a team that's contending for cups can have a guy that has a guy, nine, nine points in 82 I, games. I don't see it. When you get into like when you when you actually get into like an Eastern Conference final or is that really what's going to happen? I don't know. I don't know. Um let's talk about Mitch Marner. He has how many points does he have? Do you have four points? Anyway, he Whatever has, points he has have been real quiet. Like I can't He has had a quiet start to the year and it, it kind of looks a bit like it did in the second half last year where he came off the injury, he was sick. Um just he doesn't seem to have the same pop. So he's got four points in four games. I would have guessed less. He's minus five. Not that we want to get into plus minus. But he just hasn't like the first half last year. He was like controlling that line, making that line go. Eleven shots on goal. Sixteen and a half minutes a game. There's been something that looks off. What have you noticed about him? So I I talked to him after the. By the way, sixty percent was it the Rangers? Yeah, it was after the Rangers game, and Mitch is not a good. He's not a good interview. He's not good at talking about, and it was kind of like a critical. He had, he knew he had played like crab, so he didn't really want to talk about it. I talked to JVR about Mitch, and he's like, you know, it's not his fault. The ice is terrible at the ACC, and you know the puck was all over the place. And but I don't know, Mitch just doesn't seem to have confidence. There's not like there was like a fire with him at the start last year. He was year. all over the puck. He was all over the puck. Right. Now it's just like he's not. He was always he's making weird choices with the puck. Right. 
Yeah, he was all. The thing that struck me right away last season when he made the team was just how he was like Connor Brown. He was like relentless. Yes, he would lose the puck and he was after it. He was dogged. Other teams would be going towards the Leaf zone and there would always be a Mitch Marner chasing them. And even he was like all over the ice and he looked great. You know, and that's why there was a lot of talk, media driven entirely. It had nothing to do with the team. There was a lot of talk about okay, Matthews and Marner are the cornerstones. Maybe you trade Nylander to get that defenseman. Whatever, whatever. That completely flipped around by anyone that was paying attention because Nylander was dominant the last thirty games of, of last year. Well, and right now they look like different players. Yeah, Marner just looks like. I wonder if there's any part of him that is just bothered that it's Nylander that gets to play with Matthews and he doesn't. I don't know. Like, I wonder. Like, I mean, if I was him, like, I'd be like, look at like, look at how much fun that looks like. Look at how much attention now Nealander is starting to get. Look at how much offense they're generating. Nealander's a better fit for what Matthews does, though. I think. Yeah. Well, he's more of a threat with his shot. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I guess we need we need a bigger sample size to really evaluate it, but it's going to get interesting. in some ways it. This is going to sound, maybe this will sound wrong. In some ways, it might be a good thing in that Marner's not going to earn that big second contract. I mean, I know he's got points. There's still a long time to last. They can, but like with him, it might be, maybe you go eight years on Matthews. Like, I got no problem with that. You give 11 million or 11 and a half or whatever he's going to end up getting. Um, Nylander, I mean, how many points does Nylander have? I think five. Nylander, I'm pretty comfortable. You go like six years, seven million or whatever. Um, maybe Marner, you just give him a bridge deal and you try and bring the number down. Like we saw some teams do that pretty effectively. Not with players like this, though. Right. I don't think that's going to happen. But maybe they're going to give them all long-term deals. Yeah, but maybe instead of having to give him seven, you can give him six and a half, or instead. But of what eight. if Marner, you don't know what he is? What if you're not sure? I still think you know what he is to a degree. You just don't know what the. F- ceiling is like what if you don't know if he's a 50 point or a 70 point guy like that's a big pretty big difference you don't know that yet? What you, i think you know that you know how good yeah. i think he's at worst a 60 point player i just i don't know he does I look off. i don't it's weird i don't know what's going on there's been no hint that he's hurt or anything there's been he seems frustrated and he seems like he does he's not confident and i don't know why because last year that was he was he was ultra confident last year. Like he was yeah. chewing on his mouth guard and laughing and I don't know what's going on. I wonder if we we should get Babcock to talk about him a little bit more, I think. Maybe that's what I'll do. Yeah. Um, okay. Frederick Anderson. That's on my list. Um, four games is not a big enough sample size to make any judgments. But I still believe that there's like this idea that you know exactly what he is and like the Leafs can count on that. I don't think we're there yet. Like, yeah, I've I mean, heard Sports Talk Radio talking about him. Like, oh, you got your bonafide number one. Right, and, like, yeah. exactly. And I don't think that's, like, definitive yet. He's had one pretty good season where he was good. But, like, that's not enough. Like, you need to do it two years, three years. I remember when they got him looking at it, it's like, he's probably an average number one goalie. And then he had his year last year. When slow he was start. probably an average, a bit above average. Maybe a little bit above average, yeah. But as you know, I mean, he really hasn't started that many games in the NHL. He's 180, I think. Mm-hmm. It's not quite enough to know what he is yet. So he might still just be an average number one goalie. It, that might not be a huge area of strength for the Leafs. It might just be kind of, especially with McElhinney as a backup, goaltending might just be like, they might be average or a little bit below average. They might have to get better defensively. I think they do have to get better defensively. Well, because maybe you're going to have like really above average forwards, average goaltending, and you need to upgrade the, the defense, right? So you're you got to upgrade something. Yeah. So if Anderson's your guy, which he is, because they gave him a five year deal, there was a really good comment on my story on Babcock. Babcock ripped the Leafs after the Devils game for how they came out and played, which we haven't talked about. But in my story, there was there's some really interesting comments. One of the great things about the Athletic is how smart some of the commenters are. I can't remember what the name of the person, but they were looking at. Um, the quality of shots that Anderson had faced and um, his expected save percentage, which is like the save percentage you would expect an average goalie to have against the shots he had faced, was very, very low because he's faced really hmm. high percentage shots. So his expected save percentage, I think they said was 890 something. And his actual save percentage is, what is he at right now? 870 or something like that. So he's been worse than his expected, but his expected is also very low given the expected save percentage that... Hmm. Anyway, it's like... 
we haven't looked at it that that closely, but I think it's worth. So what the the statistics on goaltenders are getting better and better, and they're mm-hmm. starting to like bring some of these more complicated elements into it. So the, the Leafs are not a good defensive team. They're they're just not. I mean, we definitely saw that against New Jersey. We saw that against New York when the Rangers came back. Well, they don't have like a rock solid defensive pair. No, like even Gardner Zaitsev has just been okay. I I think Zaitsev's played pretty well. Yeah, I like Zaitsev. He's been. I think Riley's been. Good. Decent. Yeah. I don't know if it was his fault on that that penalty killing goal against the Devils, or I should have asked him about that goal. But it was either his fault or it was Marner's fault. But I guess getting back to Anderson, like the big thing is you just need more time. You need more games. Right. You need to see if he can do it again. And let's actually this brings up a good point. Uh, we haven't talked about Calvin Pickard. To, to me, like that's just like an obvious move to make if you can make it. It's perfect. I mean, I've been looking at him for a couple of years as a guy that he was the guy I wanted them to bring in as a to try out as a, a backup a couple of years ago when that year Babcock's first year was a lost season. They didn't know what they were doing in goal, and they kind of blew their brains out. Sorry to use the, that expression. They 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 went all in on Anderson right away. I would have wanted the, to see a couple young guys that teams were going to lose in the expansion draft anyway and give them a test drive in that one. You had that year where you didn't have to decide on a yeah. goalie. That You remember I was arguing yeah. that over and over again. That like get in a Pickard and uh, i trying to think of another, maybe a Ranta or like one of these other guys. Get both of them, start them both 40 games, see who does really well. Get a darling, get, you know, like, you know, try out one of these guys. and Or just don't sign him for five years. Like right. sign him for two, see if he's good, and then keep him. Right. I don't know. Because, yeah, because we still don't know on Anderson. The fan base seems higher on Anderson than... Goalies are... You wrote the story criticizing Anderson, and you tweeted out, and some people were like, unfollow, and like some people on Twitter were like responding negatively to it. Writing about goalies, I find, is a really... It's different than writing about any other player, in that everybody sees something different. Like, I remember when I first came in and started covering the Leafs, it was Toscala, and then they got Jonas Gustafsson, and we wrote about all that... There were there were a lot of fans that just defended Jonas Gustafsson and the goals he would allow. Their job is to stop over the puck. and over and, and so over like, and I over. Can't, I don't like this idea, and coaches do it sometimes, where they're like, "Well, we gave up like a million chances. That, like that's bad." But like a goalie is supposed to stop good chances too. They're not just supposed to stop right. the easy shots, right? And once we once you've seen a goalie two three hundred games, save percentage says what they are. It said in the beginning Jonas Gustafsson was crap. It says now that he's crap. It says he's not an NHL goal. And before with Anderson, it said he was probably is just about average. in the NHL this year? I don't even remember. Yeah, I think he is. Like, kudos maybe, to his... No, maybe he's kudos to his Sweden. Kudos to his agent. Like, it's amazing that he kept hanging on as long as he did. He's a great guy. Jonas Gustin's a great guy, but... But that's just an example. It was really apparent to me really early on as a beat writer covering the Leafs how goaltenders... There's just not a lot of objectivity. Like, with skaters, it's like, okay, this guy scored a whole bunch of goals, he's good. Or this guy couldn't score any goals, he sucks. Goalies, it's like, goalies can post, like, an 890 save percentage or a 900 save percentage. Like, look at Cam Ward or look at, like, there's all these. Mike Smith, like, people still think Mike Smith. Mike Smith had one year where I think he was above average in save percentage in the yeah. NHL. And everybody, and he's, like, 35, 36 years old. And everybody, you know, they think he's the savior in Calgary. And it's, right. goaltending is... It's going to be fascinating when we get really, really good analytics on goaltending to see who's actually good. Hmm. What are you looking for? Yeah, I don't know. Gustafsson's not in the league anymore. Where's he playing? Sweden. Swedish hockey league. And he, he's got an 889 in the Swedish league. The point, like, I was, I don't even think I was critical of him. I just said, like, they need more. Of of who? Of Anderson. Like, he, there's, you can't say he's... He hasn't done it for long enough to say that they know what he is. Well, you look at what Schneider did in that game, and Schneider, Schneider was, was fantastic. outstanding. Yeah. Yeah. That was... And that was the comparison I used. Like, if he can get to the point... I don't think he's going to be Schneider, but, like, just consistent year after year. Like, he was 918 last year. If he's 918, 920 this year, that's good, and then he needs 920 the next year. You know what I mean? Even if he's 918, 919 long-term, that's pretty good. That's fine. If you can get that for 60, but it's just 65 like games... consistently every year. Right. But I think what Anaheim found is they didn't find, feel like Anderson was a consistent goalie. Clearly. They chose then, John Gibson. I think Dom LeCision mm-hmm. did um, an analysis last year for us at The Athletic 
looking at goalie consistency, and Anderson scored right near the bottom of the well, league. Well, that was like I posted bottom a chart 20%. in my story. He was either like really, really, really good or really bad right. each month. That happens with lots of goalies, but I think his like his was like really extreme. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't like 920, 912. It was like 902, 940. Is it mental or what is it? I don't know. Like, it's a hard position. Like, you're playing every night. It's He lost weight in the offseason. Maybe that helps him be more consistent. They should help him by having a better backup that can play 30 games. Well, that's Calvin Pickard. would make a lot more sense. Yeah. Like, they should have a backup. He's not going to get his first start until next week. Calvin Pickard's career save percentage in the NHL, I mean, I know he hasn't played that much, is what? It's like 9-10 or something? No. Well, last year kind of tanks it a little bit. Right. But he was 932, 9-22, and like 904. Oh, uh, okay. That's good. And I th- and last year, a lot of it was... They were his the worst penalty killing save percentage world. was yeah. like... His even strength was fine. 9-14. Nine, well, 9-14 as a career, is that's pretty good. Through if that's your 74 backup, starts. And I think McElhinney's 9-08 or something like that. So, I mean, that's a that's a pretty big difference. So, like you've always pointed out, it's a quarter of the season. It matters. And Pickard's 25, and the 914s factoring in one year that was a total write-off because the Avs were a 48-point team. McElhinney is 905 for his career. He really started his career really poorly for a few seasons in the last few Yeah, seasons, so it's like the last five or better, six, he's like about 909, yeah. Which is still not great, but... I, do, I know we had a, a goalie expert break down Pickard, and they're generally pretty high on, on him, so... It makes and, sense. Yeah. And now, like, you have an option, like... If if Anderson got hurt, suddenly like yeah. they could bring up Pickard and he could play. Yeah, they almost should have just claimed Pickard on waivers. And then they did. They'd have to send out McElhinney. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. All right, let's move on. Um, like some other team could have taken him. They're lucky that he cleared waivers and they didn't have to give up anything. They didn't even yeah. want Tobias Lindbergh. Like that was right. just that was just the throw. They, they gave they gave up a sixth round pick. Nothing. Yeah. Um, that could end up being a move that five months from now looks really, really good. Like yeah. if if Anderson continues to struggle or if McElhaney is crap or if someone gets hurt. Or if like you're in the first round of the playoffs and Anderson gets hurt and like suddenly you need someone who can You've play. got an NHL goalie, yeah. I won't be surprised if Pickard does really, really well with the Marlies because that's a really good team down there. Mm-hmm. It'll be interesting to see what they end up doing with their goalies down there because now they have too many. Babcock made it sound like they're trading somebody. That's what he made it sound like. Sparks, you think? Would make some sense. They just gave a two-year deal to Sparks, or including a one-way. Kaskasua. Yeah, I, that's who I would trade. I, I think I still would hang on to Sparks a little bit. Sure, he, I think he's younger than Cal Heater's in the ECHL though. Like it doesn't. Right. You don't need to trade that guy. Uh, let's move on. We got two more things to hit, and then we got to go. Um, so there's two basic competitions happening right now on their third pair and fourth line center. Um, to me, like it looks like Dominic Moore. Is the better fit as their fourth line center, but I I've think been. He's bo- I've thought that well. from the beginning. I think Eric Fair has been fine too. Yeah, um, Fair. I don't know. Maybe they're trying to see if they can drive up Fair's value and trade him. I don't know. Yeah, that's. He, it would the make some he sense. makes two million. Like if but he, maybe you suck up, but uh, th- yeah. but if you suck up a million, you could just send him to the minors. Yeah. So they've both been fine. They've both been fine. All right, let's look at their th- their third pair then. Um, Callie Rose and Andreas Borgman had a rough night against Jersey. They were good, actually, a couple nights before that against Chicago. Uh, you said you don't think Rosen's an NHL player right now. I'd probably agree. Um, which opens the door back up for Connor Carrick. Kind of looks like he's, like, in a weird spot. You don't think he's as hurt? I, I think he's actually hurt. Like, just... I don't know. I didn't... Like, the way he played against the Rangers in person, I could see... Maybe, yeah. His they've said he has an upper body injury. Okay. So, I think what it is, I think it's, like, a back problem yeah, that he's maybe. got. I think he's got... I don't know where that came from. He's a guy that is also extremely active in the gym and stuff. I wonder if he... I don't know. I don't know what it is. I just don't think he's as secure in Mike Babcock's mind as we think he is. Well, the revelation on that, we talked about this at the game, for me, was the playoffs last year. Mike Babcock did not trust Connor Carrick. People kept getting hurt. Uh, Polak got hurt. Uh, Zaitsev was out early. And Connor Carrick, those are both right defensemen. Connor Carrick was right defenseman. He didn't absorb those minutes. Like, if you look at their overall minutes last year, Carrick was their number 4D. But when push came to shove and they were in really important games... And they were down right defenseman to injury. 
Babcock would not play Connor Carrick. His minutes were extremely low. That one game that went to double overtime, he barely played. Mm, I think he was like 14 minutes or something. So they brought in Marincin, I think. And then Marincin played way more than... Carrick just... I don't know. Like That was a revelation to me that Carrick's probably not going to be ever be anything more than a 5-6 under Babcock. Well, and maybe not even that. They don't use him on the penalty kill. He doesn't go on your power play. Like His minutes are always naturally just going to be tampered down. You're looking up the playoffs? Yeah. Like so, they had those those overtime games, and he just wasn't playing. Yeah, look at look at yeah. So he played eleven minutes one game, twelve and a half another game, six six and a half, ten and a half. Well, those I, are the last. I think game two was the double OT, wasn't it? So he got eighteen minutes. Yeah, but it was like he was far behind the other D. Yeah, and whatever Babcock is seeing in Carrick that he doesn't like, I haven't really seen it. Have you? Like other, he's not. He's okay. He's not a great skater. Yeah, he moves the puck okay. I just haven't seen anything from him that says, I don't know. I just, I don't know why Babcock doesn't like him. And he hasn't explained it to us either. Well, he's using him in a depth role. I don't know. Where do you want him to use him more? Kill penalties? When someone gets hurt. Yeah, but it's all roles, If Hainsey or Zaitsev gets hurt, shouldn't Carrick be the guy that you play more? That's probably what will happen. I mean, that's what happened before. It's all happened in the playoffs, though. But he played Riley with Carrick a bunch last year. Yeah. And I think that that pairing was fine. It was okay. Yeah. Like the second pairing is fine. I mean, I just get the sense that Babcock does not see Carrick as anything more than a third pair guy. Yeah. I think that's probably fair. Like ever. And Carrick's young, right? Was he 23? 23. Yeah. It's just interesting. I thought Carrick was a guy when they got him that they could develop into to be something more. I I like the kid. He's a, he's smart. He's great to talk to. He's I know he's a, a fiend when it comes to video and like going over everything. One of the things that people say about him is that maybe he goes over things too much and he gets like too he gets like too wrapped up in it in and he head. overthinks it too much. And I just I he's I, never going to give you much offense. Clearly, they don't see him as a penalty killer. I don't know. Maybe he can just be a safe, dependable puck mover. So last two seasons, he's averaged sixteen and a half minutes. This year, he's down to fifteen. I mean, I think that there is some kind of an injury. I think a back or abdominal or something. There was something bothering him, I noticed, at practice. But I don't know. It's just interesting that... So he's not he, He's not going to be part of your solution then. He's not going to move into your top four. You know, when they get into this cap crunch and they're going to need some cheap defensemen that can fill in more minutes, wow. it doesn't look like he can do that. Dermot will jump in. Lovren will dump in. Yeah. Jump in. Yeah. Yeah. The defense, how that's going to play out is going to be interesting because... With the three forwards getting a lot of money, they're not going to have a lot of money to bring in a really big D. Well, and let's not forget, like they're going to have to pay Jake Gardner in a or couple of years. Who are you replacing him with? Yeah. No, like the defense is. Everyone talks about those contracts for the big, the big forwards, but like those aren't super hard decisions. Like maybe you want to try and get the number down a little bit. The hard decision is going to be, how do you? How well, do you build around that. That's why you try to hit on Nikita Zaitsev at four and a half, because suddenly you're playing two guys in your top four, nine and a half combined, which is okay, right? If they're okay, if they're good, you know what I mean. What have you thought of Ron Hainsey so far? About what I thought he would be. He kind of fades into the background a lot, doesn't he? Yeah, he's not. I don't know. He's not super skilled. He's kind of banging off the glass. Right. He um, always does that play where. He doesn't necessarily get it out of the zone on his own. He kind of just bangs it off the boards, and then yeah. a teammate will get it out. Right. He's not going to be a guy who's going to skate it out of his own end. Right. I'm really curious about the penalty killing stuff because they're really using him a lot there. And I've been like digging into you know his background the last couple of years there, and everything I can find just suggests that he's just okay. Right. Like, yeah. He wasn't. That's, yeah. He wasn't great in Carolina. He was not good in Pittsburgh. Carolina had a really good penalty kill, but I think he was just kind of like an average guy. Just was, like a cog in the wheel, did right. his job, but like wasn't right. anything exceptional. Like I think he was like their fourth best. Like Slavin and those guys were really Apache, good. Yeah. Right. So I don't know. Like I'm curious. Is, like They need him to be good because like if Carrick's not going to play up and if the Swedes aren't able to play up, they need him to be healthy and good at 36. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't look like... I thought maybe Hainsey would be clearly the number four guy in terms of his minutes. He's not. The minutes on the D are so close that... 
like Riley looks like the number one barely because he's getting power play time again this year. What what, what well, are the minutes for the D? Let's see that even strength, ice time. Gardner and Zaitsev are your top pair in terms of even strength, and then but Riley, Carrick, the Hainsey. Carrick. Huh. Well, that's interesting. But he that, only played two games. That goes against some of what I said. But that could just be because the games that Carrick played in, there weren't as many penalties, so there was more even strength ice time. So, What's the overall minutes, though? They're all around 21, right? Yeah, they're all at 21 minutes. All, so. all of the top 4D. They're all, it's all basically the exact same. But so the I'd one thing Riley, you have to keep Hainsey, in mind Garrick. is like there was that one game, like, Hainsey's already played 30 minutes on the penalty kill. In four games. In yeah. four games. So He's averaging time seven is, like, and a half minutes. Skewed. Yeah, but he's minutes not going to average seven minutes or minutes, though, right? Like, yeah, but he's not going to average seven and a half minutes on the penalty kill, right? But then the power play time will come down for Riley and Gardner as well. I just that's one of the interesting things with Riley now in the power play. Um, he's putting up points. Well, I mean, I don't think anyone's surprised that he can put up points. Yeah, do it, do it by per game. There, everyone can listen to us read the stats out. Gardner leading the team in power play ice time. Anyway. Okay, we're we're getting off track. We shouldn't be reading statistics. Today on was this. today was the day off track. All right, is that everything we talked about? Everything? Yeah, on the list, it's all done. So what do they got? Montreal, Washington, Detroit, yep. Ottawa. The schedule is a little bit light right now. There's some two day not the breaks. last little while it has. No, been. but like going forward, it looks like there's. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm looking at the travel schedule, and you're going to be gone all of December. It looks like. Yes. So I, I don't know if we've talked about this on the podcast. We're going to be on the road for most of the Leafs games this year. I think we're doing like 32 or something like that. We might even add in some more of the single games towards the end of the year. So mm-hmm. um, we're trying to be there for almost every game. So we appreciate people that are supporting The Athletic. If you haven't subscribed yet, send me a message on Twitter and I will give you a deal. I noticed about six or seven people that were listening signed up. Nice. As a result of me saying that on the podcast. So we should say it every single time. But send me a tweet. I will get you a a discount and um thanks for the support that's that's the reason why um we're able to travel with the leaves and where they were able to cover them the way they are if there's something you like or don't like about the way we're covering the team at the athletic let us know because we're listening okay and bab socks yes go to babsocks.ca buy some bab socks and they have a storefront but i don't know when they're there so you have to email them jake at babsocks.ca he sent him an email and say when are you at the store because i want to come and buy all of your socks it's a good gift i got it my uncle a pair for his birthday. Did he like them? Yeah. Had he seen them before? I don't know if he knows who Mike Babcock is. I'm not 100% well, sure. Well, that doesn't seem like a good gift then. No, I think he's a hockey fan. I just, uh, he must know who My Mike two-year-old Babcock knows. Is. My two-year-old always points at my feet. Babcock! We well, always sees him in person. He'll be excited. Yeah. Know, that's the guy in the Bab socks. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, we'll be back uh, next week. Yep. Thanks, Jay. Thunder. Feel the thunder. Thanks for tuning in to The Leaf Report. Follow the guys on Twitter at Jonas Siegel and at Myrtle. Lightning and the thunder, thunder, thunder.